Good morning. It is good to be here this morning. I want you to know I'm really excited today to be able to spend this time talking about God's grace. Um, the, the words that were just in that scripture reading about the inexpressible joy that we should have because of God's grace. And we'll talk about that this morning. And as we begin, let's begin in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you bless us. But Father, all the blessings we have are overshadowed by the blessing of Jesus Christ. And Father, we know that while we were sinners, you acted on our behalf and you sent Jesus to this earth to die for us. Father, help us to grasp the magnitude of that grace, the magnitude of that gift. Father, help us to grasp the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, people who are unworthy of such a sacrifice. And Father, help us to, to, to grab hold of the grace that you've given us and take it to the world around us so that they too can come to know that you are an amazing God who has given amazing grace. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, I want you to know it's almost time to tell these targets goodbye. I know some of you are sad about that, but I think some of you are probably going to be glad to see the targets go away. But it's almost time for them to go away. We've reached the planned end of our on-target sermon series. But I'm pleased to report that our plans have changed somewhat. I won't be here next Sunday, but Bob Chambers is going to extend the series one more week. He's going to talk about staying on target next Sunday, so plan on being here for that. And as we begin today, I want you to know that I very much appreciate all of you having had these difficult conversations with me over the last couple of months. I want you to know that I am deeply gratified and greatly encouraged by all the conversations that I know have been going on in your small groups and in your houses and in other places about this topic. And I'm greatly encouraged by all of those who have told me that you have strengthened and renewed your commitment to engaging in on-target relationships, relationships God's way. So as we end this series, I'm more convinced than ever that we here at Netherwood Park are a family with a deep love for God and with a strong commitment to his target. And I rejoice that we are a house with a deep love for God and a strong commitment to serving our Lord. That's a wonderful thing. And what I want to do today is to focus on God and to focus on what he has done for us because of his great love for us. Today, I want us to celebrate God's grace. I want us to celebrate God's grace because we know, we know deep down that we can't live on target lives on our own. We know we can't do that. We know that we can't aim well enough. We know that we can't shoot accurately enough. We know that we can't hit bullseye after bullseye on our own. See, if left on our own, we will always come up short. But this morning, we celebrate that we aren't on our own. We celebrate that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We celebrate that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We celebrate God's grace. We celebrate God's love in action. His love in action for the undeserving. His love in action for those who are aiming at his target, but always falling short. 
and his love in action for those that are aiming at other targets. We celebrate God's grace that was fully realized with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, God sent his son. Before we took a single step toward him, God sent his son. Even though we were undeserving, God sent his son. We celebrate that our God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, loved us enough to move first. Our God moved first. Jesus, who was without sin, became sin for us. Our God moved first. Jesus humbled himself from heaven's throne to earth's decay for us. Our God moved first. So we celebrate grace. We celebrate God's amazing grace. And it's important as recipients of God's grace, as recipients of that amazing grace, it's important for us to remember. It's important for us to repeatedly remind ourselves of what is so amazing about God's grace. So let's spend some time together being reminded about God's amazing grace. I'm going to do a fair amount of reading. If you'd like to read along, I'd encourage you to read to the uh, to turn to the first few chapters of Romans. I'll be in chapters 3, 4, and 5. Then after we read from there, we'll move over to Ephesians and the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians. So we'll start out in Romans chapter 3. We'll move to verse to chapter 4 and chapter 5, and then we'll move over to Ephesians chapter 1. So I want you to listen as Paul talks about God's amazing grace. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Romans 4:25 Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Chapter 5 and verse 1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 6, he continues. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
Verse 5, he continues and says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse 7, he says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In chapter 2, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And he says, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. After reading all of that, I have to ask, so what's so amazing about grace? Well, it's amazing that God's grace is a free gift. It can't be bought. It can't be earned. It isn't reserved just for the worthy. It isn't reserved for just the righteous. It's a free gift that's offered to everyone. It's a free gift that's offered to anyone. And the only requirement for receiving the gift is accepting the gift. And you accept the gift by accepting the lordship. Of Jesus Christ. What's so amazing about grace? Well, not only is it a free gift, it's an unlimited gift. There's enough grace for me, and there's enough grace for you. There's enough grace for my sins, and there's enough grace for your sins. There's enough grace to lavish on those inside the camp and to lavish on those outside the camp. The grace well never runs dry. What's so amazing about grace? Well, not only is it free and is it unlimited, God's grace has amazing power. It has the power to bring the dead to life. Remember what was written, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. See, without grace, we all miss the mark. Without God's grace, we're all outside the camp. Without God's grace, we're all dead. But the God of all mercies brings us to life, brings us to life with his grace. 
what's so amazing about grace? Well, not only is it free and is it unlimited, and not only does it have the power to give life to those who are dead, it also has the power to transform. It transforms in a unique way. See, God's grace transforms who we are in his eyes. When we accept God's grace, we are transformed in his eyes. He no longer sees us stained with sin, but he sees us as cleansed and holy. Instead of guilty, he sees us as blameless. Instead of objects of wrath, he sees us as objects of mercy. God has given us the only gift that can make us holy and blameless in his eyes. What's so amazing about God's grace Well, God's grace is amazing because it answers all of the questions posed by all of these targets that we've had up here on the stage during this sermon series. It's the answer for all those who are aiming at the wrong target. It's the answer for all of those who are dead in their sins. It's the answer for all of those who are separated from God. It's the answer to their questions. Listen to what God's grace can do for those who are aiming at the wrong target. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul writes, Do not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And listen to this part. He says, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What's so amazing about grace? Well, it washes, it sanctifies, it justifies even the most wicked among us. Even those aiming at targets that don't resemble God's target in any way. What's so amazing about grace? Well, it's also the answer for those who are trying to move God's target to conform to their own desires, to their own aim. See, God also washes, God also sanctifies, God also justifies and transforms those of us who have become conformed to the world. Transforms us back into the holy and blameless image of Jesus Christ. What's so amazing about grace Well, it's also the answer for those who are aiming at God's target but falling short. It's the answer for all of us. See, God's grace washes, it sanctifies, it justifies those of us who fall short of God's target. And we all fall short of God's target. See, God's grace takes our off-target efforts and puts them squarely on target. And he does that whether we miss by a little or whether we miss by a lot. What's so amazing about God's grace? Well, it's amazing because it's the answer for everyone. It's the answer for those who aim at the wrong target. It's the answer for those trying to conform their target, God's target to their aim. And it's the answer for those who are aiming at God's target and falling short. God's grace is amazing because it's God's perfect answer for everyone. You see, at just the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for all of us. You see, God's grace story isn't about the magnitude of our misses. It isn't about our small misses, and it isn't about our big misses, because all of our misses separate us from God. God's grace story isn't about the magnitude of our misses. Instead, it's about the magnitude of his grace. His grace is big enough. His grace is powerful enough to overcome all of our misses. Our little misses and our big misses. And with grace that powerful, with grace that big, we can understand why some people might wonder why we even need a target. Why we even talk about God's target. Why we even talk about doing relationship God's way. I mean, after all, who needs a target if you have God's grace, as amazing as it is? The answer is, everyone needs a target. Everyone needs a target because God's grace, God's loving gift, demands a response from those who receive his grace. And the response can't be to just keep on sinning and let God's free and unlimited and powerful grace take care of the rest. That can't be the answer. Paul addressed that very question as he wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans 6, verse 1, he said, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Then he continues in verse 5 and says, If we have been united with him like this in his death, in baptism, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. God's amazing grace demands a response. Not to go on living in sin, not to continue to aim wherever we please. No, God's grace calls us to a new life. God's grace calls us to a new target. God's grace calls us to Jesus Christ. So what do we do with a grace like that? Well, we start by accepting the gift that's been offered to us. But the only way to accept God's amazing gift of grace is to accept God's target. When we accept God's amazing grace, we accept his son. And we accept his sacrifice. And we accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and master of our lives. And when we accept Jesus Christ, we accept God's amazing grace. And when we accept that gift, we're accepting God's target. And when we accept God's target, we're also accepting the gift. See, when we accept the gift of grace, we're accepting a lot of things. And one of the things that we're accepting is death. We accept death to our old selves. 
We accept death to our selfish desires. We accept death to our old targets. When we accept the gift of amazing grace, we accept life. Not our old life, but a new life that's lived in a loving response. That's lived in loving obedience. Loving obedience to our loving God who's giving us his loving grace. I have to ask the question, why wouldn't we respond? Why wouldn't we respond to God's amazing grace with obedience to God's will for our life? That is the natural response to that kind of grace. Why wouldn't we want to become what God has made us in his eyes? Why wouldn't we strive to be holy and blameless? Why would we show disdain for God's loving gift by willfully continuing in our sin? Why would we aim at any other target? Why wouldn't we respond to his perfect gift by following in the steps of Jesus Christ to the very best of our limited understanding and the very best of our limited abilities? Why wouldn't we want to share God's perfect gift of grace with our imperfect world? Why wouldn't we freely offer what's been freely given? Why wouldn't we offer our thirsty world a drink of grace from the well that never runs dry? Why wouldn't we offer life to a world that's dead in its sin? Why wouldn't we offer transformation Transformation so the sinful and guilty can become transformed in God's eyes, holy and blameless. I have to ask the question, why don't we give others the chance to be amazed by God's grace? So as we end today, I want to give us a a charge and encouragement that we be a house, we be a family, we be a congregation that tells God's story of amazing grace to all those around us. Let's be a house that affirms that Jesus and his grace are exactly what we need. Let's be a house that affirms that Jesus and his grace are all that we need. But let's also be a house that affirms that Jesus and his grace are exactly what the world around us needs. Let's be a house that affirms that Jesus and his grace are all that the world needs. Let's pray together. Father, your grace is amazing. And Father, we're not always sure what to do with a grace like that, a grace that that makes us holy and blameless in your eyes. For, Father, we know that we are sinful. Father, we know that we're deserving of your wrath, and instead you have given us your grace. And, Father, we can only respond in worship, and we can only respond in obedience. And, Father, we can only respond by sharing that grace with the world that is around us. So, Father, help us to be a worshipful people. Help us to be an obedient people and help us to be a people who share your son, Jesus Christ, with the world that is around us so they too can be amazed by your grace. And Father, we pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ, who did die for our sins. Amen.
So as I end and as I look out at this group of precious souls, I can't end without asking one more question. And that question is, is have you responded to the God who moved first? Have you responded to the God who moved first? Have you accepted God's grace by accepting Jesus Christ? Have you joined with Christ in death through baptism so that you could live with him a new life in his grace, holy and blameless in his sight? If not, I have to ask, are you ready to live a life that's transformed by grace? Or maybe you find yourself now willfully aiming at another target. At one time you knew God's target, but you have turned away and you're willfully aiming at another target. And you know that you want and need to turn away from your sin and return to the God. The God who will accept you if you'll accept his grace once more. I don't know what your needs are, but whatever your needs are, I want you to know that God and his grace are the answer to your needs. So this morning, won't you take hold of, won't you accept, won't you grasp God's perfect grace, his perfect gift of grace? If you'd like to do that, we would like to help. You can let us know in a few different ways. We're going to stand and we're going to sing together about God's amazing grace. During that song, you can walk to the front and let us know what your needs are, and we'll help in every way that we can. Or if you're more comfortable doing so, you can make your way to the back and ask for directions to room 104. In that room, you'll find a couple of our elders or an elder and his wife, and they would love nothing more than to talk to you about God's amazing grace and how it can transform your life. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know while we stand and while we sing together about God's amazing grace. Say